You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, we discuss branding and why it's very important to still do this when you're trying to build a following as an artist. But first, this. Sir the Baptist with Raise Hell here on the 9010 Rule. Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Jordan, Brian Jennings, and myself, Kevin Davis, we are the 9010 Rule. And um, let's go ahead and get started. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a podcast. You already pushed play, but I was going to tell you to push play, but you already pushed play. So, <laughs> we're just going to pretend like you already pushed play and we're going to start talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there already Wait Didn't we get The, the voiceover lady To do the, the intro Or starting You On the sound effect Or some shit No <laughs> <laughs> And we're gonna start Right now And We're gonna jump into it <laughs> Right now right. <laughs> Hey man 
What's going on, man? What's up, brother? <laughs> what were you listening to on the way over here? I, I had the radio off, man. Music sucks. Why are really? we doing this show? Music sucks. Listen, this is what I tell y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the only people that don't suck are people that he signs. Everybody else. Some of them suck too. Oh, no. No, no. Yes, they do. No, no. Yes. No, Some no. of them suck too. Do you think, no, seriously, most, okay, most people that I have met in the business assume that their ears are oh, the yeah. only good ears. Have you yeah, know, like yeah. like you know you go in, in, in into a room with a producer and they're playing their beats and they're bobbing their heads so hard and everybody else in the room is like, I don't get it, I don't get it. But it's like you know, I think there has to be a balance between knowing what advice to take and what advice to spit back out. I think that's a selling technique. I think that's they're like the producer or players beat and shit and act like he feel that shit crazy. Like I he, think he does he though. He overbobbing it. Like right. hype but, as shit. But he does. I've seen rappers perform and they're into it and they're and they're and they're going and the crowd is just like, I don't like it. I've actually seen somebody come up and speak with another executive about an artist and that person tell them, nah, they they keep they start criticizing the person they're talking about. Right. Five minutes later they're talking to somebody else and like, yeah, I'm gonna go sign this guy, such and such, such and it's oh, the wow. same person. I'm wow. like, so well, that's a, politics. That's them trying to keep other people from thinking that artist is hot. Right. But I do think that, you know, what some people you know, every you know, what one man's trash is another man's treasure. So I think as an artist you have to you have to be able to take con- constructive criticism, but also stick to your guns and follow your you know, follow what's authentic to you. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a blurry line, too, because artists don't know where exactly to draw it. Right. Especially when you're, especially if you're a young artist and you're trying to figure out who you are as a person and who you are as an artist. Right. Those two don't always intersect as smoothly as they should. And, and you know what's funny is that ties right into our interview today because before you can market yourself, you have to know that. You have to know who you are as a person right. and who you are as an artist. As a matter of fact, not only do you have to know who you are as a person who you are as an artist, even if you're something in, in, the, in the industry that's not an artist, you still have to know who you are because there's going to be things that come up in, in your life, as our guest is going to speak, speak to later, that you know change the, your trajectory completely that's in true. some cases. That's true. And every, every person yeah. is not... For every situation. I remember um, when I first started doing PR, I worked with a lot of hip hop artists. And, you know, my approach was always to clean them up, (laughs) you know. And I was in Atlanta in, you know, the early 2000s. And so I remember one, I sat down with one label owner and he said, well, we want a publicist that's kind of street. And I was like, oh, well, this may not be the job for me. You know what I mean? And that's, it's okay. Like another publicist probably could be effective with them and they probably would have had great synergy. So I think you have to find a team that connects with your artistry, you know, and they can help, they can help bring out more of who you are. But I think all those components need to be in sync, you know, in order to really get a good, get good constructive criticism. Because if you hate rap and there's an artist that is, you know, Hip hop, hip hop head, and he's into lyricism, but rap is not your thing. And you're an AR that's that's really A and R that's really into pop music. You may not appreciate that person's artistry. I just figured out why we're friends. Really? Yeah, because back when I was engineering, mm-hmm. I felt the exact same way. I wanted everything to sound pristine. I wanted the, the right. perfect ties, and you know what I'm saying. I didn't want it to sound muddy or anything. And so all those rap artists that I was working with, I cleaned their sound up completely, and they were like, uh, they were "Pissed." I wanted to be a little dirtier, right? So it's the exact grittier, same, a little yeah. grittier. It's the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. 
That's why we're friends. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what such. about you? I just witnessed a moment. <laughs> what about you, Kevin? What? Do you like it dirty or clean? <laughs> dirty. <laughs> dirty. You're kind of intimidating. Raw. You're kind of intimidating, though. We were talking about that because hey, you're what, six? Is. What are you, six five? Six six. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, right. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work if it was real clean. Nah, man. I'm too. And you know what? Montel Jordan was like six six and really clean. That's why it came off as corny as hell, right? Yeah, but this was also what early nineties. Montel Jordan was corny. Him as a person or that song. Um, this is how, debatable. This, this is That's, how we do it. Yeah, either way, it's debatable. That song played everywhere for like fifty years. It's it still is playing, still corny. which is why it's corny. Because if it was street, it wouldn't have lasted that it's long. It's like the Cupid Shuffle. No, this corny is how we song, do it. Is not like the Cupid Shuffle. Corny songs work. Urban corny songs work. South grandmothers, Central grandmothers does it do like Cupid nobody Cup. does. <laughs> <laughs> so all my neighbors, you got much flavor. Should we do that? You want to do that? I never listened to the words like that. Exactly. But I mean, I know them now that you say them. But yeah. I couldn't have. I couldn't have said. Even the words. look at how she enunciated. Right. All my neighbors have much flavor. <laughs> you players, right? Yes. <laughs> so I bet if an A and R from Def Jam, what <laughs> you know, was in front of Montel Jordan, it's Bobbing like a, his head hard. Yeah, it's a six six guy with a cane. Dancing that this is how we do it, he might not have signed him. No. You know? You think? Chances are. I mean... Or do you think good music is just good music? I think so. Really? Well, it, I think it depends. I, I do think that good music is good music, but I also think it depends on what the audience is because, oh my God. All right. So we, we talked about the election and all of that, right? Hillary Clinton... You remember at the DNC uh, National Convention, they played this this fight song, and I was like, yo, this, I, I hate, this is my fight song. Oh, Katy Perry. Oh, my God, that is the weakest fight song I've <laughs> ever heard in my entire life. It is That's why feminine, Hillary Clinton lost. Tell us how you really a, feel. It is a feminine fight song. It which is, is a... It is an estrogen-filled fight song. Uh, which is annoying. Come Man, on. that song is butt. Oh wow! It nice, is, but it is wet mud. But I think a great song can be sung by anyone. I don't think it, I don't think you need a, a a top top tier artist for a great song. A great song transcends that. There was no fight know. in her. There was no voice fight in her straining at. I'm not. The I'm like. I can't pitch. even defend it. I'm not a fan of the song. Uh, but I do think that there are you know white women that feel like that is their that is their sister girl anthem. Hillary Clinton needed a official DJ. <laughs> I don't want her to come out to push a T. And I don't want to get back into that. That was board. a misstep let's, also. Let's don't do that. I, I thought that, that she should have teamed up with Young M.A. instead. Oh, my God. Well, Mary J. Blige was a problem, too. Yeah, well, That was a fail. That was an epic fail. I don't yeah. know if okay. it's recognized. Yeah, we're going. We're going. Fail. It's hard not to go back to that, though. That, that whole election that, thing. It's hard not to go back and to Mary J. Blige. And then she even came out. She even got... Beyonce and Jay-Z and it's still... Yeah, we're going all the way back. Oh, I'm God. stuck on that, that Mary J. Blige commercial. That was absolutely crazy. There were several fails along the way. <laughs> you got to be careful. Marketing Ours. fails. Yeah, careful. Let's, get into, let's get into some marketing. Right. So, okay, uh, Crystal, can you introduce Karen? So let's reel us back in. Okay, so our guest today is Karen Marie Mason. Karen is an advocate, um, I think is the best way to, to describe it. She does so much... But she's really an advocate for artists, and she's uh, one of the few people in the business that really goes to bat finding ways for artists to actually monetize what they do. So with no further ado, welcome Karen Marie Mason. 
Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. So looking at your website, um, which is KarenMarieMason.com, for those that are listening, um, aside from what you do right now, we want to actually have you talk a little bit about some of the amazing projects, like classic, historic um, <laughs> projects that you've been a part of. Um, just kind of give our listeners a little background into some of the artists that you've been able to um, help mold and shape over the past years. Okay. Um, I went to Syracuse University and it wasn't until probably the beginning of my third year when I finally figured out what I want to do. And that's important to me, not because of the Syracuse part, but because we don't always know exactly where we fit and where our skills will most will will be will be mostly appreciated. And it wasn't until I was in the third year at Syracuse that I realized that I absolutely wanted to be in the music business. And um, I graduated from Syracuse. I couldn't wait to graduate because once you're clear on what it is you want to do, then you just want to start doing it. Um, and so while I was at Syracuse, I started managing a rock band that was up there and I started promoting shows as well. Um, from there, I went to Epic Records. I started at Epic Records as an assistant in the promotions department. Uh, at the time, radio promotions was a department that was mostly focused on getting airplay, making sure artists were visible on the charts, and making sure artists were visible uh, in the various markets across the country, particularly the the, the bigger markets. Um, and, um, this was an eye opener for me because I happened to get in the business at a time when it was still the old music business. There was still a lot of money being spent. There was a lot of money being spent for airplay. And the first artists that my first year we released Michael Jackson, man in the mirror, Alexander O'Neill, um, Jasper, Tina Marie, um, and Charday was being introduced to the market. So I was put dead center of the music business um, at a very young age. Um, from there, I went on to Sony, uh, Columbia. I started at Epic. I went over to Columbia and became a product manager uh, and developed uh, marketing plans for groups like Crisscross and Cypress Hill, the whole Rough House label, basically, the Fugees, etc. cetera. Uh, and then um, left there and went over to head the marketing department at East West Electra Records on Sylvia Rohn and uh, worked with everyone from In Vogue to Cam to Busta Rhymes to Ziggy Marley to Snow to Yo-Yo, Gerald LeVert, on and on and on. Wow. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> she said Sade and Michael Jackson. Like I'm, I, that, that was the first the year. year. That was the first year. <laughs> right. My God. I didn't know all that. And you know what I love about uh, you, Karen, is that even though you work with I mean, those two names, in my opinion, are kind of like, we, we just don't, I don't know if you get another Sade. I don't know what that is. Right. I don't know how that's, how that happens. But you, you've worked with people, you know, on that level. And yet you can you came to a Rock City listening party and, and you're just as excited about music. I've seen you work with other artists and new artists and up and coming artists and be just as excited or just as enthusiastic about those projects. And I would just think, you know, being in the business and working with some of those names, it would be hard to get excited about some of the things going on now. But see, that's what intrigued me about her as well. And Karen, I, I hope you can speak to this, but 
somewhere along the way, it seems like even though she was working with all those great big artists that were doing um, amazing things, she still saw that there was a hole somewhere. Um, and I mean, most people would assume that at that point in your career, like you've made it. I made it, mama. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hang this out, hang with this right here. But Karen, talk a little bit about what changed in you. What made you decide that you wanted to do something else? Well, for me, it started um, with my baby. <laughs> so, you know, right, right at the peak of my career, six figure salary, the whole nine, um, I became pregnant <laughs> and um, and I had a beautiful little girl named Kenya and um, I continued to work in the business, but I, I started to feel as if uh I could not be the best mother that I wanted to be and still hold down um, my titles and all of the roles and really being a mother to so many other artists. Like now I had a child that I had to be a mother to. And, you know, I just decided I made a decision um, um, at a, a very important time in my life that I really wanted to focus on motherhood. And so I left the business um, uh, and a lot of people thought that was just absolutely insane. How do you do that? How do you how do you how do you walk away? And I did because I wanted to be as great a mother as I was as great a, a marketer and, as, and, and an executive. And I focused on raising my daughter um, and created some independent businesses working with artists still, but definitely not doing a nine to five music business record company thing. You know what? It in listening to you kind of explain your your story there. I'm wondering if, like, especially along the way, if there were moments where you almost were having an epiphany or or like a, I don't know, forecasting as to what would come. Um, yes. Because yes. It, it yes. Just, go ahead. I'm <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Yes, yes, there there were. And it's just like anything else. I think Oprah described it like you get little hints, you know, the spirit, God, whoever you want to call it, sends you messages and you might ignore them uh, because they don't seem. Yeah, they don't seem that big of a message. And so you might get a knock at first and you ignore it. And then then you might fall down and then you trip and then, you know, big catastrophe happens for me. I got I got some knocks along the way being late picking up my baby. I didn't like that. I don't want to be late picking her. You know what I'm saying? Um, Being, you know, having to feel like I was responsible for things for artists and being responsible for my daughter. I didn't want to shortchange any artists because if you speak to any artist that I've ever worked with, they got 100 out of me. And if I felt like I had to shortchange somebody, then I just couldn't do it anymore. And for me, I was not going to shortchange my artists and I was not going to shortchange my daughter. So I ended up choosing at that time. Now, it's going to be different for everyone. Right. And, and what I say to you is follow your heart because I'm back where I was. See, so right. I didn't miss anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. raising my daughter, she's raised. I'm back to where I was when I left in terms of my enthusiasm, my my um my desires and my ambition in the business is equally as strong as it was, even though I took a little hiatus to focus on motherhood. I love See, that. See, the problem comes in when we're trying to juggle and we know that you can't win like that. Right, right. Well, you know what? Let me, let me just ask you that because as a woman 
you know, in this business, and I know there are a lot of women that aspire to to have those type of powerful jobs in the business. Do you think that it's possible to to have both sides, to have the great career and the great family going at the same time? Or do you think that it does take sacrifice? Um, well, it, it absolutely takes sacrifice. And I can only speak for me. There are other people who could maybe do everything, right? For me, the way I work and the hard that I go... I just knew that I couldn't. I knew the type of daughter that I wanted to raise. I knew the type of daughter that I wanted to mold. Right. right? right. Teach teach a child in the way that they should go. When they get older, they won't uh, go far from from it. That's Mm. what the scripture says. I believed in all of that. And I knew that for me to be able to accomplish that, that there was a certain amount of 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 energy and time and sacrifice that I would have to give to her. And I was willing to do that. I I commend you for that. I commend you for that. Getting back to, okay, so now you're back doing exactly, back where you were, except doing it in a, a, uh, I guess, a a non-conventional way or unconventional way. Talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about the magic that it takes to connect an artist with their, with their fans. What is, what is that aha or that, that, um, that I don't know, je ne sais quoi, that magical thing that, you know, connects and, mm-hmm. the, and the fans love it and run. How do you find that? And maybe, you know, give us an example of, of, of when you've seen that happen. Well, it, it, the magic can't be created. It, it, it must already be there. Right. It's 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 natural. It's inherent. It's when we try to create it. We try to dress it. We try to overdo it. That's when the problem comes. And so the magic is always there. We just have to discover it and we have to figure out how to to mold it and to make it work for the campaign. So I'll take, for instance. um, Oh, and, and really, for me, the magic ultimately is to finding the very essence of who that artist is and what they do best and then really building on that particular thing or things. So for instance, um, one of the first groups I got when I became a product manager at, at, at Columbia was a group called Cypress Hill. They were from the West Coast. Um, they were clearly West Coast hip hop, clearly a different culture based as opposed to New York hip hop. Um, and at that time, New York hip hop was banging. So brand Nubians, Ed OG and the Bulldogs, but they were from Boston, but East coast hip hop was really carrying the swing. So here I go with this West coast sounding West coast feeling West coast, cultural based, um, Latin origin based group called Cypress Hill. Um, part of, part of their selling point was the fact that they were Latino, that they were, um, from South Central, all of that was part of their selling point. But for me, their biggest selling point was the fact that they were huge advocates for marijuana. And remember, this was a time when marijuana wasn't on the books to be a law. It it was still very much outlawed. But in my idea as a marketer, I thought that was one of their biggest selling points. And rather than push them out there as some wordsmith trying to compete with Eric B. and Rakim or push them out there as the, the latest whatever to come out of hip hop, I decided that I would market and position them as advocates for marijuana who happen to be hip hop artists. Right. So, so I just used what they already were and emphasized it. So now we redid their logo. And in the middle of their logo, which was a skull, we put a green 
marijuana leaf. I remember that. For the promo leaf, for the promo uh, uh, stuff. We we created rolling papers and we put oregano in it and we serviced it to all the <laughs> DJs and club owners and everybody across the country. Now, I didn't put a Columbia stamp on it because, you know, Wait, 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 wait. Right. Hold, <laughs> right. hold the phone. Hold on. Right. You, right. you, you, y'all got as, as marketing, you put <laughs> rolling papers and you put oregano in the rolling papers. And I and mailed it out. That out. All the details. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No shame. Oh, because Lord. For, mercy. Me, for me, it was about using what their strongest point already was and making people focus on that and bring them into the conversation. Once I brought them into the conversation, then I can play pigs or I can play how I can just kill a man or I can play other things that were really dope records. Right. But honestly, people on the East Coast and other places weren't even trying to hear that. Right. True. Right. But True. they were they were trying to get with but a group smoke. that openly is smoking <laughs> a spliff in their videos. Right. right? They, they would try. They, they related to that on a different level. And we find that today that's where it's at. People want to relate to you outside of your music. Right. They want to really understand who you are and what you're about. Right. We're steady trying to sell the music. They want the rest of it. The lifestyle. Yeah. The lifestyle. I think that's why the, Snoop Dogg is so cool, too. Yeah. And, and the things that are important to you and, and what your strength is. Crisscross is another group. I got crisscross and I knew that I couldn't position crisscross as two great, Lyricists. you know, rappers. Right, 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 right. They were little boys. They were just coming up. Right. And so they had this whole thing called crossed out. And I was like, OK, what are we going to do with this? First of all, when they came to us, it was only an EP. Jump wasn't even on the record. Oh, wow. Right. I was having a conversation with Carol Cooper, who was the A&R person at the time. I didn't know that Jermaine was on the phone at the time, though Jermaine and I had been having conversations back and forth. But I, Carol was like, well, what do you think the first single is be? And I told her, I don't think we have a single yet. And Jermaine was like, oh, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I didn't know you were on the call. But since you're here, we don't have a single. <laughs> Wow. They went back in and added three or four more tunes, and one of those songs was Jump. So now it was like, okay, we got a record, but we still don't have a plan yet. And so initially my plan was to just market and position them as two little boys who started this new fashion trend. Right, right. So I had to wrestle with the people at Columbia because they were like, why would you put two cute little boys backward on the album? <laughs> they didn't understand why I would do that. And I understood why I would do that because that was my selling point. And I had to go all the way to the ump degree with that selling point. You see, when you know you have something, you got to really go to the extent to it. Right. Karen, if I may, if I may, because a lot of a lot of our listeners are up and coming artists or the creative professionals that are supporting them and they're trying to figure out how to market their music. So I guess my question to you is out of what you've seen in in your travels, what are some of the common mistakes that young artists make in trying to market themselves? Wow. OK. Um, first of all. It starts with a good product. So I'm not dealing with the A&R part of it. I'm dealing with the fact that you already have a good product, right? Okay. In today's music business, the process is as much the product as it was 
10 years ago. 10 years, it was just a product. You didn't know what happened before that product. You just knew when you saw the video, boom, there's a new artist out. Right. In today's music business, the process is even almost more important than the product or even running neck and neck. And what I mean by that, people want to, people don't just want to see you when the album is done and you're ready to release it. They want to be a part now of the process. And so the more we can get our fans involved in the process, the making of it, the studio, the writing of it, the how, the, pro- the thought process that goes into writing a song, what you're thinking about, then that draws our fans in. So that's, that's the first thing, thinking about the entire campaign as the process and not just an end product. You're just working with an end product. I mean, Kanye was still adjusting his album when it was already out on 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 title. Right. <laughs> right. Well, me- if that ain't the process, he's still remixing, adding stuff, taking away all kinds of stuff. And it, it caused a certain level of intrigue because now the fans want to they feel a part of it. They feel like, oh, what am I missing? What else is out there? So that's the first thing, understanding that it's more about the process now as much as it is about the product. Second, building a fan base. You don't need to have a a record out or a song out or an album out to build a fan base. When you know that you want to be an artist, the process, the, the, the process of building a fan base starts at that very moment. Of course, your family is your fans. Your friends are your fans. You might put stuff on SoundCloud. You start to gather fans there. You should be building fans all along the way. And how you do it is not only engaging them, responding to them on social media, talking back to them, reposting them, liking their stuff, them liking your stuff, but you also need an email address for them. Email is still one of the most important ways of connecting with your fans. And a lot of artists are leaving money on the table simply because they don't understand that. Right. If uh, Vine the other day just just left, there are artists who built their whole careers on Vine. Mm -hmm. And then one day Vine was like, bye bye. Right. So you're you're 500,000, you're 1 million, you're 2 million, you're whatever, you're 1,000, whatever you had is now gone. Well, Karen, let me let me ask you this though, because you know the the social media um, avenue, platforms that we have, and I'm I'm usually speaking from the publicity side of it, um, and just sometimes knowing that depending on the artist that you're representing, do you think there can be a poss- there's a possible um, conflict sometime with where sometime an artist can share too much information? Do you think there was something to the mystique? That there, you know, that there was back in the day, we had no idea what Sade was doing. We just knew right. that when it came out, right. it was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and I think that's part of what draws people to certain artists is that you just it, there's a mystique level. And here, you know, now we don't have that. We have artists, you know, we see they're good, they're bad, the ugly, the the polished, the not polished. So, do you think there's how, how do you think you find that balance between sharing too much? Um, or maybe, you know, maybe specific, maybe it varies according to the artist. How do you gauge that? Um, well, I think it does vary according to the artist. There is no such one size fits all marketing plan anymore. Right. 
but I think the other piece of it is, and I agree with you with the whole mystique thing, that's, that, that's, that's an important part of it. But you can still use social media effectively and still be about a certain level of mystique if you strategically plan it out. What's happening is that we're not really planning. We're just out there just talking shit, so to speak. And and we're not really thinking about the consequences. And what I'm suggesting is that, yes, you do use social media if that's where your audience is. All right. So, for instance, if I was an artist and I was uh, my audience were uh, white women, 35 to 45 uh, with a good amount of disposable income, I wouldn't be on Facebook or Snapchat. I would be on Pinterest because that's where that audience is. Right. Right. So so it's a matter of knowing where your audience is and making sure that the things that you are sharing are in alignment with what it is that you're trying to achieve. I think that's important that you said that, too, because a lot of people seem to think that in terms of social media, they have to be everywhere. They have to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Vine. They got to have multiple things going at the same time and so on and so forth. When really you just need to work with what works for you. Well, that's it. Well, that's it. Absolutely. And and I'll just say this. And if you're doing all of that, then you can't be in a relationship. You certainly don't have a, a husband or a wife and you definitely don't have any children. Because, as you know, this, this thing is like it swallows you up. It swallows you up alive. Yeah. But there's a way to manage it in such a way strategically by choosing those particular platforms that work for you and your audience. Awesome. It sounds like another thing that you're saying that I don't I think needs to, to to not go unspoken is that the only thing that's changed is the tools. It's the same process from many years ago to a few years ago to right now. It's the same process. It's really just the tools. You have to have an interesting story and you have to articulate that story well. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. You know, it is funny you say that, too, because so many people want to say, oh, well, times have changed right. and things are different and it has to be done the new way. And it's like, no, times have not changed. And we've had that argument on here here right. on the show. Uh, but, yeah, especially about the tools and social media and all that stuff. But, no, this stuff hasn't changed. You still putting together the music the same, using the same process, whether you're using different tools or not. I, I still think... Um that there's some people have it and some people don't, you know, Karen, how do you find, how do you, how do you know if you have something with the artist? And I know that's hard to break down into a simple, you know, into a simple answer, but you know, how do you, how can you tell when you go and listen to an artist, when you meet them, um, kind of hear the music, if you have something there that you can find that, that sweet spot, or if perhaps, you know, they may be better as a songwriter or as a, producer or as a behind the scenes, you know, executive. Right. Um, hmm. You know, you, you can't always tell, but I always know that there's something there. Right. So it's more a matter of time. And that's why, you know, from from way back when I always wanted to work with an artist when they started to work with the A&R person. I didn't want, don't give me an artist after you finish recording and you slap a, a, a dad on my desk and say, here's the album. And it's, it's, it's going to be second quarter next year because that's not allowing me enough time to really work with the artist, to really find that sweet spot, because everyone has it. 
It's sort of like there's a mate out there for everyone. There are fans out there for everyone. I heard on NPR a few weeks ago about uh, a singer in, in England who completely sings off tune. Like her whole thing is way off tune. She's selling out theaters out, out, out over there. Wow. She has she has fans. So there's something about her story and maybe even something about her sound that people love. It connects with somebody. I love that. I love that. Just like there's a they say there's a pot for every lid, there's a mate for everyone, there's a there's a there are fans for every I love that because and, and, and the beauty of it in this day and age, you don't need a million fans. Right. You know, because if you if you if you go by the one thousand fan concept, then you know that if you get a thousand fans, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 if the fans that we call them super fans for for people who are for artists that you really, really like, you're not going to miss a show. You're going to buy a piece of merchandise. You're going to buy every album. You're going to, you know, you're basically stalking them because you really are a fan. So for those, for those of us who are that kind of fan, on an average, we might spend anywhere from $50 to $100 on that artist for the year. If you have a thousand fans that spend $100 on you, you're now at $100,000. You are. You are. And, and I guess every artist has a different um, different goal. I know that you work with a lot of people that they just want to be able to do what they love. They're not trying to become a big, huge commercial success, or maybe they are, but right now they're, they're, they really want to be able to express themselves and, and do their art and get paid for it. And you find ways for people to do that, correct? Ultimately, we show them how to monetize and how they could make a living from their art. They hate their jobs or maybe they like their jobs, but they're really looking for something different. But this is what they're really passionate about. And when you start to break down the numbers, it doesn't it's not spooky anymore. You see like, okay, well, if I can get a thousand fans now, you're not really just getting a thousand fans. You really got to get about 10 or 20,000 to get that one thousand ones that are going to be your hardcore fans. Because remember, you got people that are like you on Facebook all day, all night. But when you do the show maybe 50 of them will come out. So you got 5,000 friends on Facebook, but when you do the show, only 100 came out. So that means that there's a big disconnect. So you have to really work on getting that 100 or that, what, Mm 4,990 or 4,900 to become bigger fans. And how you do that is by opening yourself up, is by creating a relationship with them. Yeah, this is why music is so it's it's so time consuming cuz you have to put oh my god, you really have to put the time in to to engage. It's a campaign. You're shaking hands, you're kissing babies, you're doing all of that stuff to really make your campaign work. So And you're failing if you if you come out the box thinking, "Oh, my music is great, so it's going to be fine." I, I, that irritates me to no end with people. I know we don't have, we, we, we're running out of time here, but Karen, please tell people how they can find you. Um, and if there's, you know, any last minutes that you want to share with our, our listeners, because as I said, a lot of our listeners are artists that this probably is, you know, just magic to this is music to their ears right now that you're saying that, you know, there is an audience for every artist. So if there's a way they can get in touch with you, um, or if you have any last minute jewels you'd like to drop, we'd, we'd appreciate that. 
Well, first, I'd just like to big up all the artists out there and and really just stress the importance of, of the artists, particularly in this day and time when there's so much turmoil in the world and in our personal lives, in our community, everywhere is just pure turmoil. So big up. The other thing I want to say is, is to really hone in on what your niche is. Find out Find out what it is that you do better than everyone else. You know, you meet someone and they're writer, producer, singer, songwriter, engineer, play, you know, it's sort of like you already diluting a lot of what you do because people can't comprehend that you can do all of that well. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm saying figure out what your selling point is and what you do better than anyone else and focus on building your campaign around that. It might be that you're a great dancer. So you want to make sure that you get out there and the opportunities for you to dance are always there. It might be that you're a singer-songwriter and you, you're, not, you're not really about the stage. So you want to do living room tours. You want to do, you know, pubs and smaller clubs where you can feel comfortable and at home, you know, with your art. You want to really find out what it is you do best and be clear on that. And then also be clear on who your audience is. Um, I shared this with um, some folks. I just did a presentation last weekend in Jamaica. Uh, Adele's audience were white women, 35 to 44, um, shopped at Victoria's Secret, most likely worked in healthcare, and still bought um, CDs. Wow. The most likely worked in healthcare. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a specific niche. That is very specific. Right. So, but you see, when you have your audience very specific, then there's certain messages that you can send that's going to immediately get to them, right? Because right. you can say it in such a way, in such a language, because you know who they are, they're going to be able to relate to it right away. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like walking in a room and talking pig Latin to someone. We immediately get each other. You ain't got to explain nothing. We understand each other immediately. Right. What we're doing instead is trying to reach a huge audience and trying to see, you know, it's like throwing a, 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 a ball into a, a million people, hoping somebody will catch it. <laughs> and I'm saying, no, figure out who you want to catch it and design your campaign for them to understand so that you, you don't even have to sell. It's not a hard sell when you're speaking to me, when you're on a platform where I will be. Why are you on Snapchat? I'm not even on Snapchat. That was a great point. That was a great point. <laughs> that was a great point. I wish we had more time because um, you've definitely, you know, been someone that's been able to prove your 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 advice is golden um, in, in results. But thank you so much, Karen. Um, definitely check her out on KarenMason.com and then... Your social it's, ac- it's it's actually KarenMarieMason.com. And then um, also um, I have a group online for artists. It's called Artist Launch. And you can just search it on that. Facebook and request to join. Absolutely. Oh, you got to come back. Yeah, we yeah. definitely have to have her come back. Because this went too fast already. Like this, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I, I didn't even get to ask her any questions about Michael Jackson or nothing. So. I really wanted to ask about Lauren Hill. Like, I, how do you I, work with Michael Jackson and, and, and Sade Frank, and still Frank DeLeo and Frank DeLeo, who was his manager at the time? Oh wow! Man. Yeah, there's there's a few stories there. We might have to do that off radio. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we should have you come in and talk about because I, I still I feel like the greatest album in my development was the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and and I got to say nothing about that. And you were part of that, and yeah. we know that there will never be another. I mean. 
I don't think there's been another album that spoke to African-American females so profoundly. And I don't know that we'll ever get another one that does that. So anyway, we definitely have to have you come back, Karen. Again, thank you so much from the 9010 rule. And um, we, we, we look forward to booking you to come back and, and have a little bit more time with us on air. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Layin' with me, you're shutting down I smell around you, I'm focused now I know what's going on in your head, yeah I know what's happened here in our bed, yeah Your phone is buzzing, so pick it up I know she call it, so what the fuck I should've known that she stays a cheater So here we are And there goes the alarm, ringing in my head Like somebody said, don't you trust him, no Texting from his ex, what did you expect? Now you're lying here, knowing where he goes Now he got that itch, yeah Karma is a bitch, yeah Same way that they come, that's the way they go Now we got that itch, yeah Rewinding the picture There goes the alarm and the sirens go There goes the alarm I saw it coming, I let it go My girls will tell me I told you so, but I was so intrigued by your style, boy. I always been the sucker for a wild boy. I'm better than this, I know my worth. I might be getting what I deserve, but I ain't sticking around for the rerun. What's done is done. And there goes the alarm, ringing in my head. Like somebody said, don't you trust him, no. Texting from his ex, what did you expect? Now you lie here, knowing where he goes Now we got that itch, yeah Karma is a bitch, yeah Same way that they come, that's the way they go Now we got that itch, yeah Rewinding the picture There goes the alarm and the sirens go was alarmed by Anne Marie here on the 9010. I'm so glad that we finally got her on the show cuz trying to catch her at uh the conference before was like crazy. Like everybody was all in her face. Right. right. I got her attention and talked to her for a second like, "Hey, I tried to wave her over, but I think somebody else grabbed her." So I'm glad we were able to finally like bring her in and and uh do the interview. This was dope. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely understand why people are grabbing at her because, you know, there are She got the juice. Yeah, there are not very many people out there trying to help artists actually make money off, off you know, their art, their artistry. And especially if they're not someone that, you know, right now has commercial appeal, but the fact that she's opening avenues for them to still find ways to connect with their fan base and monetize that, that's dope. When we bring her back, we have to ask her, how do you actually develop the, like, get the research for the target audience? Because that's, I think that's a key component, and most people don't know how to do that. Right. Hell, I don't know how to do that. I think that's, it's very difficult to find out that they, what did she say? They shop at Victoria's Secret and... Yeah, that yeah, medical, that that was, that threw me off. That that was really different. Than, likely to work in healthcare. <laughs> right. Like, so the, that kind of information is what sells records. If you know... It is. Or merchandise or whatever, if you know that kind of information... You're going to win, but how do you get that information? Well, I think now, you know, if you, one of the things that she did mention was 
making sure that there is an email address. And I know that if you have an email address from people that are that are in uh, that are interacting with you on social media, you're able to use that to get them to sign up and and um, for like a newsletter or even a website. And then you're able to kind of pull and get some of their likes, some of their right. you know you're kind of able to kind of get into which demographic is responding to you. So I think that's part of the key. Right. And then I also think that, you know, good old-fashioned focus groups still work. You I know? think that information has to come from a marketing professional. Because right. I know, like, especially my time in consulting artists, if an artist sat down with me and said that their fan base primarily works in healthcare and they just wanted to go around <laughs> from urgent care to urgent care singing, singing. and shit, I'd be like, yo, B-boxing. shut your dumb ass. Are you, like, no. Right. So... But that's very important information. And I, I, like I said, I, w- I would love to bring her back and let's focus on that too. Right. But I'm telling y'all, it, it, there definitely is something to being able to capture that and being able to interact with your with your audience to find out that information. You've got to be able to, because you're not going to be able to get that from Instagram. You know what I mean? Facebook is no. a little bit more targeted, but I think if you're able to actually work with them and have them feed the information directly to you, then your team has access to it. And then, you know, you can apply the marketing research, you know, uh, information to it and figure out where you need to be. Yeah, and and how important is that? Because, you know, people, I've worked with a lot of artists that have said things like, yo, my target audience is 18 to 50. (laughs) You know, 18 to 50. And I mean, that's what you want your, there's a difference between what you want your target audience to be and who they really are. And what realistically there is. Or you have artists, I've worked with artists that think their target market is something and, and their target <laughs> market is absolutely not that. I mean, we talked about artists that, you know, maybe, you know, between the ages of, typically, if you are between the ages of 35 and 45, 18-year-olds probably are not your target audience. But there are a lot of artists that they think their target audience is who they want to appeal to, as opposed to who enjoys their music. Unless you're 2 right, chains. Right, right. If you're 2 chains, is That's true. Hip-hop yeah. does kind of throw that off just a bit, but... Or Snoop. Snoop's the only one I know that like appeals to everybody. It doesn't but matter see, I don't, race, I don't think color, Snoop age. Really, I don't everybody think, likes Snoop. I don't think any 21-year-olds are buying a Snoop's album. They may be watching his show on VH1 with Martha Stewart, or they may think he's cool, but I don't think that's who's going to actually pick up his download a single. Do you do you think? Well, somebody that? that's twenty years old is not going to buy an album, but they might right. they might buy Snoop's Rolling Papers or some of the other products that he's pushing in in his podcast or right. in, and in anything know. else that he does. Isn't that what she was saying? Also, is it's not really about necessarily the music itself. Right. It's about all the other things. The so as long those twenty one right. year olds still do know who Snoop is. Right. They may not buy the record, but you know they're, they're gonna, gonna they're gonna support another one. Yeah. yeah and a twenty one year old kid in the hood that supports Snoop is just as active as a twenty one year old kid in 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 like the wealthiest part of town. The Trump states. Right. Uh, I mean they're wow. still going to engage with Snoop on the same level and partially and, and I think what she said before about using marijuana to market uh, Cypress Hill. I knew you liked that. I knew you were excited about that. Well, it may it makes absolutely sense, and it has nothing to do. Who can make her eyes at me? She <laughs> cut her eyes at me, listeners. Y'all can't see that. But Y'all remember like Cypress Hill got they got on the um the Juice soundtrack. Remember that? Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So they definitely made it across the country. So whatever she yeah. did, it worked. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ingenious. I wonder if there's still people out there, you know, doing creative things like that. You know, you think about, I didn't know, I didn't know that story. That's awesome. And, you know, 
uh, Puffy putting the Craig Mac uh, CD mixtape CDs in the actual Big Mac containers, like those type of innovative ideas. I don't know if we're still doing that, or are we relying on social media to push everything? <laughs> I don't know if you can give out fake drugs, though. That's a that's a no no in some places. Yeah, right now. Well, yeah, she was passing out doobies, though. Yeah. That would that will get your attention, even if it is fake. I love your joint, man. I just wanted a pizza. <laughs> Man, but we just we we really want to thank thank Karen for joining us today. We hope you guys uh, you know really enjoyed that. I think for me the most important lesson out of today was that there is an audience for every artist. I mean, oh, yeah. I, that yeah. was so refreshing to hear someone say because for so often you hear, nope, you don't have it if you don't have this, if you don't look this certain way. But for someone who's actually done it and done it well and done it at that level to really acknowledge, no, you don't have to you don't have to listen to what someone else is saying. You can find your own magic. So I hope some people got that and, you know, really took that to heart tonight. And that less is more. That less, like, you don't have to be everywhere. Just, just you know, what works for you, you like to do it like DJ Khaled did with Snapchat. I think he built that whole major key idea, brand, phrase, whatever it is that's existing in pop culture now, that came off of Snapchat. They don't want him to use Snapchat. So we <laughs> use Snapchat. That was good timing there. He was, he was, you're so clever for that one. <laughs> Nobody thought she was going to do that at all. <laughs> I switch it up every once in a while. Right. But no, yeah, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And um, like I said, I hope somebody took that to heart tonight. Seriously. So don't, you know, don't ever give up. And follow switch your, your heart. Shit up. Switch your shit up. And if all else fails, wrap it in a wrap it in some rolling paper. <laughs> uh, some, I... I I want to say I heard a story about somebody in the 80s. I can't think of who it is right now, but they took their, and it was a vinyl LP, so that tells you, like, how far back it was. Well, but, you said 80s, so. Right. It was in the, it was, shut up. It was a <laughs> album that they had packaged in panties. Hmm. They packaged it in panties. I'm trying to remember, I think it was, matter of fact, go on, listeners, go on Netflix. It was, I want to say Super Minks. I think it was the guy that managed a ton of. I, I'll post a link or something like that in the. You don't uh, have to post that Facebook. now. That yeah, you put that out because that was dope. It was it was extra dope. But he talked about how he kind of marketed some of his artists, and it was huge. It was it was a great film. Too, it couldn't so. have been granny panties though. That's what I'm saying. It gotta make yeah. some sexy yeah, panties. Yeah, you can't though. market granny panties. Nigga. <laughs> you can't even market like hipsters. It's it gotta be, to be like a, 35. I don't know if Rihanna had some granny panties that she was just giving away. I think people would probably get those. Ain't nobody, nobody want granny panties. I don't give a damn if they do come from Rihanna. <laughs> and why would Rihanna sell granny panties? That don't even sound right. Again, <laughs> uh, listeners. <laughs> Brian is tickled over We're here. Off, you, you know, panties right now. You know, he pale and he turning red, man. <laughs> this shit. <laughs> Thinking about Rihanna's panties is what's going on right now. Right. Hey, you just looking for an outlet. I ain't mad. Do you think, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that was good, y'all. Uh, th- listeners, thank you for tuning in, and this was another episode of the 9010 Rule. We catch you in two weeks. Peace. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.